You are listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership to inspire team captains to lead their teams more effectively and help coaches to systematically develop and use them. Now, here's your co-host, Luke Poulos. Captain's Coach listeners, I'm Luke Poulos, your host, and today my guest is Coach Stephen Wright. He's the head football coach at Cardinal Gibbons High School, the same Cardinal Gibbons that one of our previous guests, Coach Moreland, works at as well. Coach Wright also plays an active role in the administration of Cardinal Gibbons, specifically in the physical education department. The thing that really sticks out to me the most during this conversation is how intentional Coach Wright is about everything in his program, from why he chooses his six values for his team, how he enacts and educates his team on those values, and how he develops them and his leaders. He does some awesome things in terms of routine, systematic development that really curates leadership from beginning to end of his athlete's time with him and his program. I'll say it again, as it really is a theme today, but just the intention that he puts into his program and everything they do is astounding and something well worth modeling. So without further ado, here is my conversation with coach Stephen Wright on another episode of the captain's coach podcast. Coach Wright, thanks for coming on the show. Welcome to the captain's coach podcast. It is always great to have a connection with the guests. You know, we were talking before, uh, you know, previous guest, coach Moreland, back from a few months ago, also from the same school, Cardinal Gibbons High School. So welcome to the show and thanks for coming on. I appreciate you having me on, Luke. Uh, Looking forward to to sharing a little bit with you. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, a a good place that we usually start off with or just if you could describe or or talk a little bit about the fundamental values and principles you preach or stress as a coaching staff with the football team or just, you know, at large Cardinal Gibbons that really encourages leadership and a culture of leadership? Yeah, we, we uh, have six core values that our football program is built on at Cardinal Gibbons. Love, sacrifice, service, accountability, community, and joy. And those six core values are uh, all biblically driven mm-hmm. and really serve as a foundation for us as we attempt to continue to grow uh, a culture where um, our desire is to help develop godly young men, and uh, we're just ha- we just happen to be using the sport of football to do that, and so uh, that that really serves as our foundation uh, culturally, and is something that uh, is a large part of what we do. Yeah, no, that's huge, um, and I and I think you know we've talked about this with guests on the show before, just outlining core principles and your values just as a start point it makes things much easier to develop any culture whatever you want that culture to be focused on and it's great to see six values that aren't necessarily associated with sports and that you're using the athletic environment to kind of live out and build upon those values rather than the other way around 
Absolutely. You know, we, we as a staff talk about how sport and for us specifically football is a microcosm of life. Right. Um, I think you, you especially see that in the team sports environment um, where you're asking guys to um, participate in roles that maybe don't get the limelight or the headlines, but are still critical to the success of the team as a whole and being able to leverage these core values has been something that not only has helped us build, but it's also been something that's helped us address issues that have popped up, um, you know, much like what things would pop up in, in, in kind of everyday life, but within the sport sports environment, we've been able to, um, you know, take those things, whether they're, they have to do with something good or something bad, something, um, something that's serving as an obstacle or something that's serving as an opportunity, but things that uh, it, it gives us a foundation to kind of work from to address those issues with the kids, um, in particular kids in a particular instance. And so it's been something that's been really good for us and um, has, has been a powerful teaching tool for our, our football community. Yeah, yeah. And like, like you said, it really just serves as a, a baseline and, and a fundamental kind of infrastructure to work off of when it comes to, like you said, certain situations dealing with individuals. There's a, a common background that everyone can fall back on, and, and that's kind of what the conversation or the end goal of the conversation is kind of working towards. Is there anything that you do as a staff or organization or even as a school to systematically train or develop leaders on your teams in the school, uh, in the community? Yeah, no, definitely. Well, we, we've got our own, I guess, program for our, for our football staff that I help lead, but specifically regarding uh, the, the, the athletes within our program, what we end up doing is we end up taking a core value per week and we make that a point of emphasis. We introduce it on Monday. On Wednesday, we have a program-wide dinner um, at the school, just in the cafeteria. And then we break up into small groups just after we eat. And I have uh, usually between 12 and 14 guys, team leaders uh, within our team leadership structure uh, but players that I have helped equip in the springtime that serve as small group discussion leaders for the fall. And so those guys take a group of their peers and they lead them through a discussion that revolves around that core value. So we do that on Wednesdays and then on Thursday, if it's our freshman or JV team, Friday, if it's our varsity team, we have a, a team chapel service where we kind of wrap up that week. Um, regarding that core value and how ultimately it applies to what we're doing, um, not just that night um, or that week, but, but how it applies um, in these players' lives. And so that's something that we're very intentional about um, regarding the core values with the goal of going through those, obviously, uh, for the, the way our schedule lays out, we end up going through it twice with our varsity program um, our freshman and JV teams uh, both go through it at least once, the JV typically twice as well um, as we take one value per week and then repeat that cycle um, over a 12-week period. And then ultimately, as we get into the postseason, we hope to end up going through that cycle three times. So um, 
you know, something that's been really valuable for us and um, an exercise that's been valuable for us and uh, something that's really paid, paid dividends down the road. I love, like you said, how intentional that uh, commitment to your values really is. And I was going to ask you, is this something you do during the, the summer, during camp, or, or something you do throughout the season, but you kind of answered it. Um, and, and then sometimes you even repeat going through these six values throughout the season, which, it, which is great because it, a lot of coaches start with having these values, which is awesome. And, you know, they may talk about them at the beginning of the season. They may, you know, throw them into some speeches here and there. But to see the, the intention and how much focus you put on it, that it's a, it's a weekly thing that you talk about at least two to three times a week between, you know, introducing it, your, your roundtable discussions, and then the, the Friday chapel service kind of wrapping it all up. That, that really shows how much importance from, from a staff and a program level you're putting on this. And, I, and, you know, the one piece of that that we'll focus on here is you have those small group discussions led by your team leaders and, and you kind of mentioned the, the team leadership structure. Could you explain, you know, how you choose those individuals in the springtime and kind of how you help them along and, and prepare for those small group discussions or, or anything else that they are involved in uh, from a leadership perspective? Yeah, we, we actually end up starting our season in January um, with our strength and conditioning program, but we also hold a team-wide meeting. And at that meeting, um, I share with our, all of our players um, that if they have an interest in serving in leadership uh, for the upcoming season, I assign a book. Um, they're then responsible to read that book and then write a two-page paper on a leadership lesson that, that they, they, they learned, something that, that caught their attention from that particular book. Um, they are then responsible to turn that paper into me. Um, that's typically done at the end of February. Mm -hmm. um, and then I hold an interview with any of the guys that, uh, you know, demonstrated the, the, the time and effort to uh, read a book, write a paper. Um, I then typically interview those guys. Uh, I say typically only because this year we may not be able to do it because of uh, the yeah. situation yeah. with coronavirus. But I typically am conducting those, um, or wrapping those interviews up at this time of year in March. And then I begin, and then we select from that group, um, which varies. Sometimes it's as many as 35 or 40. Sometimes it's, you know, somewhere in the a range of 25. But we end up, um, my staff and I, we end up selecting somewhere between 12 and 14 guys from that group. And then we invest in them in the fourth quarter of the school year. We begin meeting once a week in the mornings prior to school, and we begin laying out really uh, how to lead within that small group environment, but also within the team structure. And then ultimately down the road, it's, it's just from that group that um, our players select their team captains. Okay. And so, um, you know, you, we give them some ownership, obviously, um, responsibility, um, we feel like we equip them pretty well and then give them the opportunity to lead. I think a lot of times, you know, I had a, a professor of mine uh, continually say that uh, kids will rise to, le to the level of your expectations. Mm -hmm. 
And if we just kind of, you know, say, well, it's just going to be easier for me to do it. It robs them of an opportunity um, to learn and to grow as leaders. And so we feel like we give them this opportunity in the spring and then um, ultimately throughout the summer and fall an opportunity to serve in, in that role. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, and thanks for sharing all that with us, coach. You know, there's a lot there. And again, it really comes down to just how intentional you have been from a program perspective on the leadership development piece. You know, you start all the way in January, you intentionally create this opportunity for, for leaders to present themselves to you. And then you curate that leadership and develop it further throughout the rest of the school year. And then, like you said, ultimately you, you leave it into the, the hands of the team to select the captains from that group. And, and they've been able to see that leadership in action you know, through the, through the small table discussions, leaving their peers. Um, and, I, and I love the, the fact that you point out that our student athletes will rise to our expectations. Uh, and I think that's a very common theme throughout life that people will rise to whatever you expect them to do and vice versa will, will reduce themselves to, you know, going down to a level that you expect them to be at. And if you don't give them the opportunities, how can they ever show you and how can they ever expand upon, you know, what skills they have if one, you're not giving them the opportunity and two, you're not actively helping them develop any of that. Uh, so I think that's, that's great that you're doing. And, and, I, and I think what you're doing, the combination of, you know, somewhat nominating a group of individuals and then letting the team choose. I, I, I've seen that and on the show we've heard I think that's one of the most common or, or best practices we've, we've heard that it's some combination of team input along with the coaches kind of guiding uh, or, or providing a, a framework of how they want these captains to be chosen and, and making sure there definitely is a, a lineup of, of values while also having the, the players have, have a say in that. Um, and I guess you kind of you, you kind of just talked about you know my next question was going to be how is leadership potential factored into you know not necessarily recruiting at the high school level but how you see your your freshman and sophomore development but I I think what you have going here that we just talked about kind of kind of leads into how you see players develop through their four years what has been your your biggest challenge in terms of program development or, or leadership development and how, and you, how have you and your staff uh, tried to overcome those challenges? I, I think for us, and when I say us, I mean both, both or myself, the staff, as well as the kids, is just a push to continue to learn and to grow. Um, you know, as, as you were you're sharing earlier, one of the things that, that came to mind was we've got to give not only ourselves as coaches, but these kids an opportunity in a sense to fail. Right. And hopefully to do that in a structured environment where um, prior to a, a Friday night, um, kind of damage is minimized, but it's an opportunity to, to learn, to grow, to develop, and then ultimately to, to you know, bear the fruit, see the fruit of, of that labor come to fruition on, on a game day. And 
you know, I think something, one of the challenges that we've had is how can we continue to give these kids, staff included, opportunities to learn and to grow? Because ultimately there is a developmental process um, that, that we engage in um, from freshman to senior years. Um, it's not always perfect. Um, it's not always pretty, but I think the question we continue to return to is did we give them an opportunity to, to learn to experience and sometimes to fail mm -hmm. so that they ultimately can grow. Yeah, and the yeah. failure is such a, a big piece. And I think sometimes coaches get a little afraid uh, of loosening the reins a little bit or, or giving a little bit of leeway with their captains and their team in general is that, that fear of failure. And a previous guest of mine, Todd Sanders, he has a, a great little – saying uh, about how what the environment you want to create is and that acceptance of failure is supported autonomy giving everybody the the ability and the environment to act autonomously give them the control decision making the input that they feel autonomous but know that they have some sort of a backdrop they have a left and right limit of they know if they stray too far it'll be a small failure and not catastrophic. And I think if coaches, again, the, the intention is so important here. If you're intentional about it and you communicate what you're trying to do and everyone is on the same page of how this is going to work out, I think you'll really see, like you said, it's important for, for student athletes and young individuals to learn how to fail now because in life outside of sports, in the real world, failure is inevitable. Um, you know, if, if you've never failed in your entire life, you're probably not living a life that anyone wants to live because that means you're not taking chances. You're not, you're not out there uh, expanding yourself to the best of your abilities because failure is inevitable. So the, the earlier in, in life and especially in athletics, it's such a safe place in terms of an environment uh, to fail, we should be doing everything in our power to do that and, and create a, a supported environment where, where our athletes and our students feel safe in doing so. No question. I think it's the dichotomy of a performance-driven culture, isn't right. it? To succeed, you've got to fail. You've got to right. learn how to deal with adversity, difficulty, failure, so that you're better equipped to succeed, you know, potentially in the future. And so, it, and that's that's a big challenge because um, I think especially when you're dealing with a sport uh, where, you know, whether we like it or not, our success is measured by wins and losses. Yep. Um, putting your kids in a position to fail seems counterintuitive in a lot of ways, but the reality is it, it could very well be the secret to success. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a cliche, but, you know, people learn more from their failures than they do from their successes because uh, it's easier to see where you went wrong. It's easier to pull those lessons out, whereas when you do, quote, unquote, succeed, uh, you know, in sports, that's a, that's a win in the win-loss column. You're not as quick to point out or find where you messed up because at the end of the day, you did something right, um, and it's a lot harder to, to pull – information and improve upon wins than it is to improve upon losses and that's just you know inherent in 
wins and losses, success and failures. Uh, you know, we talked about kind of the program with your, your value education program throughout the, the season. Are there any special training or development programs that your captains go through specifically when they're selected or is there uh, a, uh, a weekly, daily, monthly kind of uh, curriculum that you go through with your captains or, or you know, just their, in general, how you utilize them throughout the season? Yeah, so we, um, we start working with, with that leadership group specifically in the fourth quarter of the school year. Right. And we meet once a week. We continue that throughout the summer. Mm. And then that, that, um, that continues again throughout the fall. So I'm with them really from the fourth quarter through the end of the, uh, through the, end of the season, meeting once a week prior to school. And it's typically about a 30, 35 to 45 minute meeting. And in that meeting, we go through a particular curriculum that we have assigned and we spend about half the meeting on that. And we spend the other half of the meeting um, dealing with just issues that, um, you know, are, are going on within our football program. And what I, I like to do is get their input and not only with what's going on, but, but solutions to the issues that, that we're facing. I think giving those leaders ownership is something that has been really helpful culturally for us. And I think I've seen um, it really help us uh, not, not only as a program, but it's really even helped us on game days because, you know, th there are situations that we'll, we'll face where, you know, a, a, an issue needs to be addressed. I ask for their suggestions. They take ownership of that. And then ultimately, I hold them accountable for making sure that that gets, that gets done. And so um, I think one, one of the biggest hurdles our leaders have to overcome is that pure accountability, which is ultimately the most powerful tool in my toolbox as a coach is to empower those, those student athletes so that they are in a position where they can hold their own teammates accountable for the actions that are displayed, whether that's in a classroom, on a field, or even in a social setting. And so that's probably been the number one thing for me as a coach is getting our players to a place, specifically our leaders, to a place where they're, they're courageous enough to not only hold each other as leaders accountable, but to hold their teammates accountable. Yeah, no, that's, that's great coach. And you know, there's two big things I want to pull out of there. The first and kind of how you structure those meetings where you spend the first half of it, you know, talking about a specific skill or concept in leadership. And then the second half of it kind of working on real world problems in your program, coming up with solutions, helping them find their own solutions it kind of is the 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 bridge between training and development you know at the at the captain's coach you know our founder ben smith his his reason for starting it was because he saw so much quote unquote training in the leadership world but not so much in terms of development and and what we mean by that is a lot of conceptual big picture theory concept 
lecture style, hey, this is what leadership is, this is what it looks like, and a lack of development in actionable steps you can take, real world solutions, hands-on problem solving. Uh, and, and those meetings, the way you have them structured is you're, you're giving them the education, you're, you're building their toolkit, but then that second half talking about real problems, helping them develop solutions and implementing those solutions, you know, that is really what we mean when we talk about leadership development is giving them the environment to apply skills, having them actually take steps with their leadership. And, and then that second piece, like you said, the, the accountability is such a powerful tool. We've talked about it on the show, finding the balance between empathy and accountability. And especially as student athletes in college and, and even more at the high school level, peer leadership is, is one of the hardest things there is to do in, in any realm, in any environment. And especially at the high school level where you know, a lot of your life is your social life and you see your friends who are your teammates on a daily level all day, every day, it's hard to separate the empathy and accountability. How much do you, you know, hey, this is one of my best friends. I don't want to come down too hard on him. But at the same time, I am a leader on this team. I know what our expectations and standards are. And it is my job to hold everyone accountable. And as a coaching staff, like you said, the, the biggest impact you might have or that you feel that you have is giving them the skills to act on that accountability and hold others accountable in a way that they feel comfortable and supported and, and that it's not going to backfire on them in a negative way. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that I challenge our, our leaders specifically with is statement of I'll, I'll know how bad you want to succeed by how much social capital you're willing to sacrifice. Right. Yep. That is truly indicative of how good our team ultimately will be because we'll be as good or as bad as that, as that leadership group. Mm -hmm. And I've had teams in the past that uh, were more talented than the team that we had this past year. Um, teams that should have gone to a state championship game, but didn't because they weren't willing to sacrifice some of that social capital to hold their, their teammates accountable. And this year we had a group that quite frankly was probably one of the most selfless group of seniors that I've ever had. Uh, maybe not the most talented group, but they didn't care who got the credit and they were willing to hold each other accountable. And I think ultimately that was the difference in us being able to get to a state championship game and not. Um, because of the leadership that was demonstrated, especially among our seniors. Yeah, and that, that just you know goes to show why we stress our first tenet of leadership at the Captain's Coach so strongly, which is everything rises and falls with leadership. And, and that story you just told, Coach, is right in line with another one of our tenants that leadership is a service. It's all about being selfless. And, you know, our, our, our last ghost, our last guest, rather, uh, Coach Mike Donnelly from Florida Southern Basketball, you know, he talked about the same kind of thing and just how it's a great measuring stick of your leadership when you can look and see that, one, in a positive way, you have less talent from an athletic standpoint, but your record is better or your success is better. 
And then in a negative measuring stick, hey, our talent is more than it was previously, and we have less success on and off the field for some reason or another. And, you know, it comes back to that selflessness. Like you said, how much are you willing to sacrifice your social capital? And, and not only that, from a leadership standpoint, how willing are you to sacrifice social capital, but the rest of the team, how willing are they to put aside social capital and, and not even have to make the leaders on the team pick and choose what they have to do, you know, just being open and willing to be held accountable to hold each other accountable so that it's never taken personally uh, when someone is, has a correction made against them or, you know, there's expectations and standards that are set and people are, are holding each other accountable. So it's not even coming from the coaching staff or the captains having to make tough decisions. No question. And, you know, I, I often refer to our leadership group as indigenous leaders. Yeah. You know, guys that um, can make an impact in ways that I can't as the coach, mm-hmm. um, as they kind of walk among their own peers, that their impact will be far more powerful than mine um, throughout the season. And so I think that's something that's, that's extremely important. Um, in terms of developing those guys so that they are in a position where they can be successful in leading their peers. You know, I think something else, something else that we talk about and that you hit on was um, I use the phrase, you've got to be willing to burn your own, your, your personal agenda. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it especially comes to life in a, in a team environment like the sport of football where You've got guys with different skill sets playing different roles and, and guys getting you know, different opportunities. And sometimes those are recognized um, by, by the general public and sometimes they aren't. But finding a way to say, you know what, this isn't about me. This is about how I can help my team succeed. And so, and, but that ties right back in to this, this whole idea of, hey, how much how much social capital are you willing to sacrifice for the success of this team? And that's, that's why the, the first thing, three things we talk about every season are love because that's your, there's your intrinsic motivation, sacrifice, yep. there's your first action and then ultimately service. And yeah. can, yeah. We, can we get those working together so that we can help each other get better? regardless of what your, your skill set is or what, regardless of what your role may be. Yeah. And that was another, you know, it's crazy how many overlaps I have between guests, but again, coach Donnelly yesterday, when we talked a big part of our conversation was his, one of his challenges was having his players realize, you know, to, to tune out the outside noise and, and not worry about how much playing time, how many points, how many minutes they're playing, how many points they're scoring and focus on the team mentality and, and not focus on how their actions are affecting them as individuals, but how it's affecting them as a team. And, and he put it in a way that I had never thought about or expressly heard in this way, but it, it's a little different college and, and high school, but you know, at the division two college level, he, he kind of puts it to his guys as, Hey, from an individual standpoint, you guys have made it. 
you, you have nothing else to prove. You know, this is the pinnacle of athletics, you know, division one, division two, II, division three, whatever it may be. That's the pinnacle of 99% of people's athletic careers. And the fact that you've made it now, enjoy it. You know, your goal should be to win as a team, you know, you scoring 50 points and your team losing doesn't do anything for anybody. You know, it's not getting you to a, a pro career if that's not realistic anyways. And it's not fun to lose last time I checked and, and the rest of your teammates aren't having fun either. So I think really that, like you said, the core values that you've picked really kind of just lead their way into that mindset of, of love, sacrifice and service. So I, I, I couldn't agree more with you and, and how you guys are going about that on your team, you know, aside from kind of what we've talked about so far, how else do you feel you make a, a large impact as a coach on your players and specifically their development as leaders? I think, you know, one of, one of the things that we talk about when we talk about our core value of community is it's not just the community um, of team. It's not just the community of our program, but our responsibility to the greater community around us. And I think, you know, to address your question specifically, one way that we um, attempt to leverage um, some leadership opportunities um, beyond just what we do internally is to turn that, that focus outside. And we've done a number of things um, over the years uh, where we have helped meet a need, a particular need in, in the community outside of us. Sometimes that is um, a community that we're, we're separ separated from geographically, or it may be something within the community locally. But um, I think that's something that has been really valuable for us because it's given people outside of that leadership group and an opportunity to step in and to experience some leadership opportunities themselves um, that maybe they wouldn't otherwise have, have had the opportunity to do. No, that's awesome. And like you said, the biggest piece of that from a, from a development standpoint is giving others opportunities to step up. The, the more opportunities and the more varied situations you put your team in, you'll see other individuals step up and, and lead in a different way. Um, and, and especially if you've created the environment that, that you all have as a staff and as a coach at Cardinal Gibbons, you know, where everyone feels supported and they feel like they have empowerment to make choices and, and to lead, you'll really see that flourish when you start changing the situations, changing the scenarios, giving more opportunities. And then obviously, you know, everyone's goal in athletics is, is to create better individuals that are, that are holistic, well-rounded citizens and, and, and better family members, better parents, better employees, all when they become adults and enter uh, the world outside of athletics. And, and the more you can keep their mind on that idea of, hey, you know, athletics isn't the end-all be-all a lot of these skills that we've learned and cultivated through sports, this is why, because we're doing these things in the community, whether it's local or on a, a larger scale, these are where these skills are really coming in handy. These are where we really want to see you act on the skills you've developed in athletics. And to always keep that in mind and keep that perspective 
I think is so important. And, and like you said, and you know, you answer the question, what's the biggest impact in that? And that really is, uh, I think from a, from a coach's perspective, such an awesome thing to be able to do and have such a great impact on the overall development uh, of individuals, not just for athletics. No, no question. You know, when, when, you know, people ask me, you know, what my vision is, my short answer is to develop godly young men, but the, the longer version of that is much like you said, to develop responsible husbands, fathers, citizens, you know, that we'll see moving into roles of leadership five, 10, 15, 30 years from now. Yep. Um, that will ultimately fill voids that, um, that we leave. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so our hope is that uh, we leverage the sport of football to equip these guys to take their God-given abilities, develop them to the fullest, so they can serve the greater community around them in the most effective way possible. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And, and, and staffs who have a vision like that, and again, I come back to just the, the intentional – opportunities the intentional situations just the the intention that you have with everything you do as a staff is apparent um, through your vision through your core values and and how you make those things actionable throughout your season and the school year is there any other advice that you have for team captains coaches at the high school or college level or, or any ordinary players or athletes just looking for guidance in the leadership development realm? I think ultimately, um, or, or I'll say first off, be you. Hmm. So we, we've, we've been created in the image of God and we've been endowed with a certain set of gifts, skills, abilities, and, and a particular type of personality. And I think you would be um, robbing others if you weren't true to that. So first off, I'd say be you. Second, I would say be committed to the developmental process. You know, I am, I I read two books last week because I had some extra time. You know, always be a learner. You know, always be committed to growth. Um, I hope when I'm, if I live to the age of 80 or 90 or 100, that that I'm still learning, growing, developing. And, um, and, then, and then lastly, I would say be intentional, um, whether that's in your, in your home, whether that's um, in, in, in your job, whether that's as a leader within a team environment, whatever it may be, be intentional with the way you approach the things that you approach and um, with the ultimate goal of meeting the needs of the people around you. Yeah, that, that's, that's great stuff, coach. I mean authenticity is such a, a big piece of leadership that we talk about at the captain's coach. Another one of our tenants is leadership is, is a form of self-expression. Um, and to be authentically you, you have something to offer and know that you have value, like you said, created in the image and likeness of God. Um, just being you and being authentic about it is in and of itself is enough. Um, and then really that, that growth, Anybody out there in any environment, you should always be looking to grow. If, you, if you're not growing, you're dying. Um, and then, uh, you know, that, that last piece, service, just, you know, 
being available for those around you. Um, that that intention, having having a purpose and and acting upon it. I think, you know, that, that was a good uh, good summary of our our conversation so far for sure. Um, I'll, I'll ask you this question, Coach, because you know my listeners know it's it's my favorite. What is your definition of leadership? I, I define leadership as the ability to influence others. Yeah. And yeah. I'd probably tag onto there in a positive way. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's the second tenet of leadership at the captain's coach. Uh, leadership is influence. Uh, it's direct from John C. Maxwell's mouth. Uh, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And, and, you know, you, you, you usually do hear something along the lines of influencing them in a, in a positive manner for the greater good, for the good of the organization. And that is an, an important distinction when we do talk about influence, because there are many people out there who are, who are skilled in influence, but may use those, those powers for, for not so great things. And, and I think that is the distinction, um, if it's used in a, in a negative manner is more manipulation than it is anything if you're using it for your own personal gain. So, I mean, that's really, um, you know, we couldn't agree with you more at the captain's coach uh, that that leadership really is influence. And, and that's really what it boils down to. What do you think the two biggest responsibilities of a team captain are? A great question. You know, I, I would, I would say one, and I, and I refer to this as the floor of leadership is setting the right example. You know, when I, when I speak to our captains or guys within our leadership structure, you've got to start by setting the example, but setting the example is the floor. You know, that's, that's kind of the bare minimum. Yep. And, and, but I think on, on top of that is something that we we've talked about is a willingness to not only set the example, but a willingness to hold those around you accountable. Yeah. If you can do those two things, you're going to be an effective leader. Yeah, and I, I, you rarely hear that put so succinctly and so simply, but that's really what it is. Anything else that you talk about what a captain does, it, 99% of what they do is going to fall into those two categories, either, either leading by example, being what those around you should be being, and then two, holding those accountable and, and being able to influence their actions to, to become that same example. Um, so great answer. <laughs> Once again, coach, uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your, your time here. Uh, so I'll just leave you with this final question. Uh, what are some books that you, you often recommend to your players, whether it be, you know, some of those, those books that you have um, tasked with the, the paper write-ups and analysis in the, the winter months or, or anything you often recommend to, to other coaches even? Gosh, there, that's, that's another good question. There's a host of things that, that come to mind. Um, I'll, I'll share with you just the book that we read um, in, in February with, with our, our leadership group or that I challenged them to read was a book uh, by the title of Chase the Lion uh, by author Mark Batterson. Um, so that's something that is something we just, we just undertook and uh, went through. Um, so that's the thing that most immediately comes to mind. Um, you know, I, th I think something for me, which maybe, um, some people wouldn't immediately run to, but is something that is extremely meaningful to me and something that I read, I, I, 
I make the goal of reading every morning is the Bible and the, the stories, the lessons, the principles um, that are found in there have really been foundational for me personally as a leader. Um, so even though I could probably reel off a dozen, 20, 30, even 40 books, um, I'll go with the one that we most recently have read within our football program and then to something that has been foundational for me as a leader and as a person um, over the past probably 30 plus years. Um, you know, I'd have to go with the Bible. Yeah, no, those are, those are great. And, and like you said, you know, you could sit here and reel off book after book after book that's made an impact. And, you know, uh, my college coach, Joe Barisi used to always say, you know, life is about the, the, the people you meet and the books you read. Um, so, you know, I, the Bible's definitely, you know, there's a reason why it's lasted thousands of years and people continue to read it daily. Um, it makes a large impact. It really gets down to the fundamentals and principles. And uh, I'll definitely take a look at Chase the Lion. You know, if it's something that you're having your, your athletes read, I'm sure it's worth, worth the listener, worth the, uh, the time, especially now that we have so much time if you're in a, a quarantine state or, or um, a, a teleworking state. You know, you do have a couple extra time. Take your commute time and, and sit down with a book. Um, and definitely, definitely worth, like we said, that growth. If you're not growing, you're dying. Um, it's an important part of leadership. It's an important part of overall development uh, in, any, in any stage or environment of life. So, But uh, thank, thanks again, Coach Wright. Thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, a lot of great insight, a lot of great program level, team level, and even individual level actionable steps that I think uh, any listener out there can can start implementing today. Luke, I appreciate you having me on. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast with Luke Bullet. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.